You know that feeling when your body just feels like it's in shambles? You're exhausted, you've been surviving on iced coffee or gallons of sweet tea and dry shampoo. You're stressed, you're feeling pushed to your limit, like that straw that broke the camel's back is going to land on you at any moment and you're just going to lose it. Lose it on your coworkers, your kids, your friends, your mom, your spouse, whoever just happens to be in the line of fire whenever the storm hits. Well, this episode is all about the opposite of that feeling and helping you get to a place where you're less likely to explode in the future. Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 192 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is all about building resilience, expanding your tolerance, being more present, improving your productivity, and beating procrastination from the inside out. Sounds good, right? Recently, I began digging deeper into the role that our nervous system plays in the way that we show up in life. Our nervous system helps all parts of our body communicate with each other, and it reacts to changes both inside and outside of our bodies. So often when we feel overwhelmed or stressed, we try to solve the way we feel from the outside in. We numb out with TV or phone scrolling. We eat junk food or hit the snooze button too many times. Or maybe we try to get organized, declutter, or revamp our schedules. But today's guest, Michelle Grosser, is here to explain how we can feel more present, more productive, and procrastinate less from the inside out by regulating our nervous systems. And we're diving into exactly what that means in today's episode. So let me introduce you to Michelle. Michelle Grosser is a nervous system expert, certified master life coach, and host of the Calm Mom podcast. Through somatic and neuroscience-based modalities, she coaches women through discovering what's beneath their triggers and emotions so they can begin their healing journey and find peace in the present. She deeply believes that the most profound thing that we can offer our children is our own healing. She and her husband, Jeff, have two daughters and live in Miami, Florida. In today's conversation with Michelle, she shares why slowing down has enabled her to speed up and take on more exciting opportunities. You'll hear about how our nervous system impacts our productivity and well-being. Michelle tells us three simple ways to add nervous system regulation into our daily routines and of course, we cover the importance of incorporating playtime into our everyday lives to build resilience. As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 192, including how you can stay in touch with Michelle, continue to learn from her, and listen to her podcast, The Calm Mom. Finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click that subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find it's about time in the search results. And that only serves to build our mission to ban busy as a badge of honor. And plus, 
you just might get a shout out in a future episode, like this one going out to M. Velasco 07. M. Velasco 07 was so kind to leave a five-star rating and review for It's About Time in Apple Podcasts. M. Velasco 07 writes, a must listen. I recently discovered It's About Time and I'm so glad I did. Each episode is packed with insightful content, actionable ideas, and tangible tips. I truly learn something every time I tune in. Thank you, Anna, for putting out such an incredible podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. I truly hope that you continue to get good stuff out of each episode. I appreciate you for taking the time to write such a thoughtful review. And if you're hearing this, send me a DM over on Instagram and let me know so I can send you a surprise in the mail to say thank you. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Michelle, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited to chat with you today. How are you doing? I'm so good. Thank you for having me here today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, well, I appreciate that you've given your time. I know that we're going to dive into some really um, helpful, relatable subjects today. But first, I'd love to hear about you. Now, I've already given the full Michelle Grosser official bio in the intro, but I would love to hear from you in your own words. How do you spend your time these days? Yeah, that's a good question. So I have found myself in a season where I'm wearing a lot of hats, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of hats. Um, so I'm a mom to two. I have a five and six year old, a five year old and six year old, both girls. Um, I'm married. I live in Miami. So that just those three roles, I think mom and wife um, take up a good chunk of my time. I am also a lawyer by trade. Um, so I've been practicing law for the last 12 years now. Um, and I've had my own practice since 2014. So that takes up a good chunk of my time. And I'm also the host of a podcast called The Call Mom Podcast. And through that podcast, I do a lot of nervous system coaching for high-achieving women, teaching them how to regulate their nervous system, um, understanding the different states of the nervous system, and really how it's foundational to everything else that we do um, and the power that a regulated nervous system holds. So I do a lot of coaching around that. And then about a year and a half ago, um, my husband and I actually planted a church here in Miami. So um, I'm also running that whole side of things with midweek ministries and Sunday service and everything. So my hands are in a lot of different projects, um, but it's really fun. Wow. Michelle, I think that is an understatement. You definitely have your hands full right now. That is so fascinating. So I'm I'm really curious. You are a practicing attorney and you coach high achieving women through 
I feel like I don't even have the right words, but you you do this nervous system coaching, which is so fascinating. What inspired you to to make that to make that move or to add that additional piece to your professional side? Yeah. So it came about during the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I had always been a high achiever. I'd always been a performer. I had, you know, I I was that typical, I think, oldest child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I had the accolades and I was productive and I was so good in my head. Like I am analytical and I am logical. And the logical next step for me was just to go to law school without much inquiry as to why, or if it was Mm -hmm. even really something I wanted to do, or if it even really fit my passions or any of these things. And then the pandemic hit and I had two small kids and I was so burnt out. And I think that first alerted me. Like I finally had to slow down because my office was closed Mm -hmm. and I found myself home and in the depths of burnout. Um, And I just had this like 3 a.m. moment where I'm like, this isn't working. I can't Mm -hmm. do this anymore. And I had always kind of had it on my heart to to coach women, um, but I didn't really know what that meant or what it might look like. And I was noticing, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, so many women in my shoes were just losing it. Right. It's like Mm -hmm. now we're, now we're also homeschoolers. Now we're like stuck at home with our husband and our kids 24 seven. The world's about to like, everything's going crazy. Um, so stress levels at an all time high. And I'm like, man, I need to learn like skills so I can really help some of these women in my circle through this stuff. So I enrolled in a year long coaching certification program and, um, thinking I was going to go in just getting tools to help other women. And my world got rocked (laughs) and turned upside down. And I realized that so many things that I was, um, striving for actually weren't serving me well. I noticed how out of touch I actually was with my body and with my emotions and with my intuition, um, how all the striving had really, you know, all that chronic stress had built up in my system to, to lead me to burnout. Um, and then also I think how, how it just reframed my paradigms around so much, right? Like even the word productivity, I'm excited to talk about it because I think that's a word with a lot of innuendo for a lot of people. Um, and it can drive us to burnout, Mm -hmm. um, which is what happened to me. So I was able to do so much deep healing through that, which is really where I started to learn about nervous system and the power of our nervous system. Um, and then I took another year and did just nervous system, like deep dive and nervous system work, but it changed my whole world. And um, I, I changed my relationship with productivity. And wouldn't you know it, I became 10 times more productive, mm-hmm. but in a way that was sustainable and holistic. Wow. Okay. So I, I want to hear a little bit more about the, the, what does it mean to be a nervous system coach or someone who focuses on that nervous system regulation I think a lot of times whenever we're feeling overwhelmed or burnout, out, the first thing that we want to do is, you know, rearrange our calendars or um, quit everything <laughs> or, but, but tell me a little bit about what it means to be a coach that focuses on nervous system regulation for high achieving women. Sure. So at its core, all of us have a capacity, right? Um, and that capacity changes day to day. We notice that some days we can wake up and we can take on the world and like we're stuck in traffic and it doesn't matter and our kids are really slow and getting out the door and we're good and we can handle everything that life throws at us, right? Something's not prepared for a meeting and we're like, no worries, we got this, like we're going to pivot and, you know, we can just handle what life throws at us. 
Um, and really, that's the goal. The goal is not to be calm all the time. The goal is not to feel productive all the time. The goal is to be resilient. So the goal is that, you know, life is going to keep happening. I want the capacity to hold everything that comes at me. I want to be able to do huge things. But in order to do that, I need a really wide window of tolerance. That's what we call it in, in, in nervous system work. Um, so at its core, learning to regulate your nervous system is learning how to expand your window of tolerance. And there are definitely habits and routines that help to expand our window of tolerance. Um, but there are also practices and exercises that we can do when we notice ourselves becoming dysregulated. So starting to feel frustrated or anxious or burnt out or overwhelmed. Um, when we notice those somatic cues that come up in our body, how does it actually feel when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed? And then do things, exercises, um, to show our body that it's safe and return to regulation. Because the thing with our body and our nervous system is it doesn't speak a verbal language. So that's why if you've ever found yourself really anxious about something, a big work project, or you have a big speech to give or something, and you're like, okay, Michelle, it's not a big deal. You've got this. You can do this. Just calm down. It's not, it's not, it's not very effective, right? It's not very helpful. Or when you tell your kids or your husband the same thing, like, just calm down. It's not a big deal. It's not very effective because our nervous system doesn't speak a verbal language. We actually have to show it these things that we're trying to communicate. And we show our body these things through movement, through touch, through sound, um, not verbal things. And the way our nervous system works too is that 80% of the nerves in our body are, are called afferent nerves. And that means they actually run from our body up to our brain. So that leaves only 20% of our nerves, all the messaging in our body from our brain down to our, down to our body. So there's so much awesome work out there that's mindset work. And I love doing mindset work. And I think it's powerful and it's important, especially when it comes to things like productivity and managing our time. And it's also only one, you know, fifth of the battle um, because so much messaging is com coming from our body to our brain. So if our body is feeling overwhelmed, if our body is feeling stressed, if our body is feeling like there's lack or if our body is, you know, doing all of these things, we have to incorporate both to be able to come to a place of regulation that we have access to the parts of our brain that allow us to you know, be in that learning brain, have high communication, have high interpersonal skills, have high productivity, and not be stuck in that like reptilian survival brain that happens when we're stressed out. Oh my goodness. This is all so fascinating. I could, I, at, in this moment right now, I know that I could probably just chat with you for two full days and yes. still have so many questions. Um, but here, here's a question. I would love to know what, maybe it's not a typical week, but how exactly do you have your practice, your legal practice and coach? What is, what does that time division look like? How are you doing both? Are they, is it half and half or are you working two full-time jobs? Clearly you sleep and take care of yourself. So yeah. how, how exactly do you, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I have become very disciplined with my energy. Okay. <laughs> um, I have over time put in really solid systems and I have a really good team. And I think managing that has worked for me. Um, so time-wise, I have a two-hour block that I do every day on the law firm and I my phone is not in my office. Um, and I just sit down and I do all the things that only the attorney can do. Um, and then the rest of it through systems is delegated to, you know, paralegals or the rest of my staff. 
Um, there are things that come up like hearings or depositions that don't necessarily fit in that two-hour block, but I, I work around that. And then I spend um, a couple hours a week on my podcast. And then the rest of it is I have set up time to do one-on-one coaching. Um, so that's like the nine to five, I guess, or the nine to whenever my kids get home from school, the nine to three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that kind of, that helps me paint a picture. So you've got two hours at least every day that you're spending on the law firm. Mm -hmm. And then you have a few hours set aside for the podcast, a few hours set aside for one-on-one coaching. Mm -hmm. So you're a mom to two little girls. Yeah. You're a wife. You're an attorney. You host your podcast, The Calm Mom, plus you're coaching these high-achieving women to help them understand how to regulate their nervous systems and expand that uh, wide window of tolerance, plus you're growing a church. Yeah. Uh, How exactly, and, and I'm sure you've got some really great tips for us here, but how exactly are you doing all of this and taking care of yourself at the same time? Yeah. So I think I I do a pretty good when I'm doing well, right? When I'm taking care of myself and when things feel like they're effortlessly running, um, I'm putting the first thing first. And that has always been a big deal for me. Um, I don't want I've done it and I don't want to live every day feeling like I'm frantic or mm-hmm. like I'm just running from one task to the other, or I get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was busy all day, but I didn't get anything done today, right? Like that's not a good feeling. Um, so I have been so intentional about slowing down and that has allowed me to speed up in the ways that I really want to speed up. Um, so for me as a mom, non-negotiable, I wake up really early and I go to bed really early. So I go to bed at around between eight 30 and nine. I'm asleep by nine 15 and I wake up between three 30 and 4 a.m. I'm not saying that that works for everybody. I understand that that might feel extreme. But let me tell you, waking up 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour before your kids will change your life. Um, and then I start again with filling my cup. I don't start with work. I don't, I don't look at my phone the first hour that I'm awake. And I really just fill my cup. So for me, that looks like some journaling, some meditation, some prayer, some just sitting in silence and actually drinking hot hot coffee, right? Which is such a luxury. Um, But then when the little people are up that need me, I'm ready. I'm Mm -hmm. ready. And during that morning time, I set up my day. So I take 15 minutes at the end of that and I look through my calendars and I really just set up um, and mentally visualize what my day is going to look like, where my energy is going to go, who needs anything from me that day. So when I sit down at my desk, man, I'm just like on and I'm ready Mm -hmm. to go and I can go hard. for from a nervous system perspective, there's three things that I really build into my day um, that I would recommend to anyone. And I coach this to my clients. And if you're listening and you're like, I want to increase my capacity and not feeling like I'm scrambling, these are the three things that I think are really powerful for your routine. The first one is 10 minutes of stillness every day. Um, and that's what I do in the morning. It can look like a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be meditation. It could just be getting out on your lunch break and like walking without listening to a podcast or being on the phone with someone, just actual Mm -hmm. stillness and training yourself um, to be still. Stillness is really healing to the nervous system. The next thing is 10 minutes of movement. Um, If you have an exercise routine, you know how good you feel after you work out. You know how productive you feel and ready to take on the day after you work out. 
And from a nervous system perspective, you don't need to be in CrossFit or do like this really complicated thing. 10 minutes is really powerful um, to help regulate your nervous system. And then the third one is my favorite one. And it's the one that I try to scream from the rooftops. And it's 10 minutes of play every day. Um, I think as adults, especially in Western culture, we've become very, I don't know if it's dissociated with play is, is the right way to say it, but play is for children. Um, nobody has time to play. And I think we severely underestimate and misunderstand how powerful it actually is. When you think of and study people like Albert Einstein, like one of the most brilliant and creative minds of our time, he incorporated moments of play in every single day. It just does something for our creativity. It does something um, in the way that it regulates our nervous system and inspires us and invokes passion and all these different things that are required of us as high achieving women. Um, a lot of times when I talk about creativity, my clients are like, but I'm not artistic. And I'm like, oh, those are two very different things, my friend. If you want to run a business, if you want to manage people, if you want to be a great parent and wife, you are going to be so creative. Um, and play is a beautiful way to spark that. And I think a lot of times also in motherhood and in business, um, it can be easy for us to lose our identity mm -hmm. in that, I think. And I think play um, really allows us, creates space for us to bring back hobbies and passions and interests. Like some of us loved playing soccer or the saxophone, but we became a mom or we went to college and we just stopped doing these things. And there's just a part of us that isn't, doesn't feel alive and it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are some examples of play that we can do in just 10 minutes without picking up our phone and playing Candy Crush? What, yeah. what, what else? Give me some ideas. What else is there? Yeah. So if you have any hobbies that you enjoyed, like I think a good starting place is what are the things I love to do as a kid? Did I love to go on adventures and just be like outside and was running by, you know, the creek in my backyard? Is that where I felt most lit up? Did I love to be artistic? Maybe it is painting or needlework. I don't know. I don't know what that is, but like some, <laughs> some, some hobby. I don't know. Why, like, what is this? Like the Cross little stitch. <laughs> I know. Little house on the prairie. I don't know. What, knitting. Um, knitting. Butter churning. Butter churning. Yeah, precisely. But just even having like a puzzle going right on the table or on a coffee table or on the floor or something where you can spend a couple minutes doing that. Putting a basketball hoop, if you have a basketball hoop in your driveway and that's something that you love to do as a kid, like go shoot some hoops. If you love to skateboard, have a skateboard. Um, if you loved being at the ocean, you know, again, I don't know if you can do that in 10 minutes, but I live pretty close to the water. I could like take a five minute walk there and probably sit even with a notebook and do some work that I would do at home, but do it there. It's really just rediscovering the things that, that light you up. So I call it play, but it's something for you. You know, sometimes for me, it is playing with my kids and sometimes playing Barbies is like, sounds like hell. And I really don't want to be doing that. <laughs> so that's not, that's not my playtime. Um, but it's really what's, what's for you, what lights you up. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's really getting my wheels turning about how we can make time. I mean, it's just 30 minutes, which you said it's mm -hmm. 10 minutes of stillness, 10 minutes of movement, 10 minutes of play, mm -hmm. these 10 minutes you know, chunks don't have to be back to back in a single no. 30 minute block. They can be scattered throughout the day. And it, this is inspiring me to make a list of what are the different ways that I can play the different things that I can do that light me up in 10 minutes. Yeah. And you want to talk productivity, like you would know much more about this than I would. 
but I can't work for nine hours straight, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like I'll work for 50 minutes and have it really be really hard focused work. And then I'll go, you know, put my feet in the grass outside for 10 minutes and just, you know, sit and have moments of stillness. Um, So you can incorporate like that and it, it will increase your productivity. It will increase that window of tolerance. You'll be able to get more done in less time. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that you'll work for about 50 minutes. Um, Studies have actually shown that the ideal work block and break is 52 minutes of work followed by 17 minutes of a break. I Uh mean, how delightful is that? (laughs) It's so good. So perfect. Yeah. I'll take a 17-minute break for sure, especially if it's spent doing something fun. You know, and I think that's something that so many of us run into is that when we do have these breaks during the day, we end up falling into a default mode of picking up our phone Mm -hmm. and doom scrolling the news Mm -hmm. or mindlessly flicking through Instagram or TikTok. And so we're taking quote unquote breaks, but we're not taking fulfilling breaks. What recommendation do you have for someone who wants to cut that bad habit of falling into the default break and instead flip it and do something that's more fulfilling and good for us. Yeah, that's so good. So I think part of it is awareness and mindset. So I think, you know, a question I ask myself is like, are you resting or are you recharging? Mm. Right? My phone's just on my desk and it's resting there, but it's not connected to any power source <laughs> and it's not charging. 
So I asked myself the same thing. Like if I'm sitting on the couch and scrolling social media, I might be quote unquote resting, but that's doing nothing to recharge me. So I think just having that awareness, right? Am I resting or am I actually recharging can be really powerful. Um, And the second thing is I think often what we think is rest is actually a dysregulated state of our nervous system called the dorsal vagal state. And that's actually a state usually brought on by overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sends us into this state. It's a freeze response, Mm -hmm. right? So we feel immobilized and it feels really good to dissociate, which is what we're actually doing for 10 minutes or, you know, an hour goes by and we haven't realized it doing something mindless like that. So when you notice that you actually aren't recharging, but you're being drawn to these states where you can just scroll or watch Netflix or, you know, you're having a day where your kids are like, mom, mom. And you're like, ah, what? Like I was just out of it. I was spaced out. That's just an indication, hey, something's going on with my nervous system here where there's something really overwhelming that my body is perceiving that's sending me into this dorsal vagal state, this kind of freeze shutdown state. So there's something probably here that I need to address beneath the surface so that my body can come back to being present and actually recharge so I can move forward um, with intention and consciousness. Wow. Okay. So we you've talked about the freeze state mm-hmm. that we can find ourselves in and that we can dissociate and kind of go into a spaced out non non-present yeah. <laughs> feeling. Um can you explain that that feeling of dissociating just a yeah. little bit more because I think that it's something that we all are dipping in and out of without entirely realizing what's happening. And it's impacting our ability to get work done. It's impacting how fulfilled we feel at the end of the day, how accomplished we feel. Can you speak to that just a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. I think you're exactly right. Um, So dissociating at at its core is really, it feels like this this out-of-body experience, right? Where we're not we're not connected. And the way that it typically, it's a coping mechanism. It's a defense, it's a defense strategy. Um, our brain is really good at a lot of things. Our brain is not really good at differentiating between real threats and perceived threats. So a lot of times we're living in this chronic state of stress. Um, our, our busy schedules contribute to that. Our mental load contributes to that. The amount of things we try to get done in a certain day, the sense of urgency that we all have. Like my husband brought me a coffee this morning. He's like, pumpkin spice was all over at Starbucks. And I'm like, that's so, I don't know if bad's the right word, but for our nervous system, because we're all of a sudden, we're like, oh, no, I'm going to get ready for fall. And it's like yeah. everywhere. We're always like in this, like what's next? Yeah. And it can be really overwhelming to our nervous system. So as a protective measure, as a defense strategy, Um, when we've been overstimulated or overstressed to protect itself, our nervous system will dissociate. Um, so practically how that shows up is it's not like you have the sense that you're necessarily like hovering over your body, but it's like, you ever have that time where you drive home from work or something and you're like, how did I even get here? Like, I don't even remember, I don't even remember that drive. I was so spaced out or having, you know, someone be like, Hey, I, I just told you something. Did you even hear me? Or a lot more frequently, it's, scrolling through our phone, it can show up oftentimes as procrastination, um, which can then kind of, you know, loop in its whole other cycle. Um, But catching ourselves in it, awareness is really the first step because we cannot, um, we cannot intervene in a world that we can't see. So if we don't know that's what we're doing, 
mm-hmm. um, it can feel really, really stuck and there's not much we can do about it. And that's a lot of the, the teaching that I do is about what hap- when you notice that you're in this state, what do you do about it? So mm-hmm. are there ways in which you can do these nervous system balancing exercises to bring your awareness back to your body, the present, the present moment, um, and help you transition out of that dysregulated state? But then we always want to go to the root. So a mm-hmm. lot of those things are probably a lot of things that you teach too about like healthy and sustainable habits and routines because we want to get stuff done, but not at the expense of it causing us so much stress that it sends us into this free state um, where we're not actually able to do those things that we want to do. So you mentioned procrastination and that sometimes when we find ourselves in this dissociated free state, it can um, show up as procrastination. Which then leads to the negative feelings of, okay, I know I need to be doing this. I'm not doing it. I I feel bad because I'm not doing it. And now that makes me feel worse. So now I don't feel motivated to do the thing that I need to do. And then it just kind of turns into this shame spiral. So whenever we find ourselves procrastinating, what can we do? Is there an exercise from a nervous system regulation standpoint that we can put into motion in order to make progress on the things that we need to move on? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of times with procrastination, we think it's a we either think it's a discipline issue or a motivation issue, right? Which then which then drives additional cycles of of thinking um, that aren't 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 serving us well. So the thing with procrastination is that it's an avoidance strategy, right? Um, And there's a reason, consciously or subconsciously, that we're avoiding whatever it is. So it's really taking a look. Um, I think one of the most powerful shifts we can take as human beings when it comes to this kind of stuff and really anything is instead of bringing forth this kind of judgmental attitude, right? Which are the things like, I'm so lazy. I'm never going to get this done. I'm not enough. I wasn't meant for this. This is too much. Like whatever that, that, that kind of judgment that necessarily like it wants to like creep out, um, is to shift from that judgment to a place of curiosity. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. And that allows us to be like, Hey, like what, what's going on here? What about this is like, making me physically not able to get off the couch right now and go do the things that I want to do, um, that I know I need to do. And then, and really having an honest conversation with yourself about that. So maybe that looks like some journaling. Maybe it does look like, you know, working with someone that can help you with some of those blind spots. Um, and then coming up. So from a nervous system perspective, there are things that we can do to shift out of that. And I'll talk about some of those. And then a lot of it too is kind of the, I don't want to say the more practical stuff because I think the nervous system stuff's practical too. But like you talk about when you're feeling overwhelmed, like you, no one goes and builds a law firm in one day. Like what's the tiny little step that we could do today? I'll create an email address today, right? And getting yourself in these new patterns um, because that's that's what all of this work is. It's patterning. It's patterning. So just understanding like I tend to get overwhelmed when X and I'm going to rewire my brain so that I understand that I have this pattern and I'm going to break this up into small manageable chunks and be able to move forward. But when you're actually in the procrastination and in that shutdown state, that's not particularly helpful. It's like, let's get through step one. Let's get us out of this dorsal vagal dysregulated state. And then we can be in the part of our brain that can think logically and come up with a a manageable plan. 
So what are some things that can get us out of this free state? Um, I, I like to take it in two parts. So I really check in with my body and I'm like, do I feel like I have this frantic energy inside of me that's just immobilizing? Because sometimes it's so much anxiety that your body is like, oh, this is too much. We're just going to shut this down for a minute. So if that's the case, which it often is, you really, you literally have to allow that energy. Anxiety is just misplaced energy. Allow it to move and flow through you. So a really practical thing that I like to do is body shaking, which is exactly what it sounds like. You, li- I literally just set a timer for two minutes. Sometimes I'll play a song that always gets me moving and I just shake my extremities, my hands, my feet. I'll like wiggle. I'll jump around, stick your tongue out. If you smile while you're doing it, that sends a strong signal to your nervous system that this is actually something that's good. It's so like you can, you can, you can trick it like that. Michelle, Um, that's why I smile in workout classes. Yes. Like I am in a, uh, like a workout video because smiling helps me get through the reps. Okay. Sorry. Just had to interject that. The science supports that. They actually did a study (laughs) of marathon runners and they're like the ones that smiled. Yeah. Had a lower rate of perceived effort and actually performed better. So it's, you're, you're spot on. Um, so that's a great one for me, just like dispelling a lot of that energy. Dancing does the same thing. Um, I think we like underestimate that too, as a form of movement, but man, put on a song that gets you grooving and allow yourself, even if you have to like melt off of the couch and then just groove on the floor and then like work your way up, that will shift the state of your nervous system temperature. We have this vagus nerve that runs right from our brain to all of our major organs the the tone of that nerve is really affected by temperature. So we can go, um, you know, sp- splash some cold water on our face or grab like a bag of frozen vegetables out of the freezer and put it on the back of our neck. And that will do wonders in bringing us back to the present, to the present moment and shifting the state of our nervous system and regulating it. Cold plunging. Cold plunges. I've recently gotten into yep. spending time in the sauna and then going to the cold plunge at our gym. And Beautiful. it is exhilarating, but I always dread it until I make my until way it's over. in there. Yeah. So the so cold plunging, I'm not I'm not doing it to combat any kind of anxiety in the moment, but is it kind of like flexing a muscle or or building up some kind of tolerance? Tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So cold plunging is a great way to, to increase that window of tolerance because what you're doing is that um, there's there's research that shows that there's three main neural circuits. So one is that regulated circuit. And then we have these two circuits that we refer to as being in a dysregulated state. So one is that high energy, like anxious, angry, irritable, edgy, whatever. And then the other state is that shut down, burnt out, dissociated, numbing out state. Um, and then to shift between each of the three states, we have a mechanism built into our nervous system that's called a vagal break. And I think about it like the train conductor, right? Like we have these three tracks and then like we want to be on the regulated track, right? And then we have this vagal break that will help kind of keep us there. When we have a weak vagal break, one tiny little trigger, bam, we're in a dysregulated state. So when we do things like cold plunges or taking a really cold shower or putting your face in a bowl of ice or things like that, it actually strengthens our vagal break. So it takes way more for us to become dysregulated. That is fascinating. It's so fascinating. Oh my goodness. Okay, so (laughs) we have plunged into 
so many different practical ways Mm -hmm. to regulate our nervous systems, how we're feeling. My favorite might be wiggling and dancing and shaking for two minutes because honestly, dancing, that's just another way to incorporate some play into your day. Yep. You know, if someone is listening and they are just as fascinated by all of this as I clearly am in this moment, Now, how can we dive in and learn more so that we can build up that wide window of tolerance and become more resilient? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing to have a meticulously organized calendar, a schedule with time blocks and to have, you know, an environment for focus and to have all of these different pieces in place. But without this recharge yes. piece, and you know, I talk about the heart method of time management and how just about any challenge can be solved by looking at habits, energy, attention, recharge mm-hmm. or time. And this falls so squarely under that, that recharge piece, making yeah. sure that you are recharged. But how, how can someone dive into the world of nervous system regulation and learn more? Yeah. So there are so many, there's so many resources out there. Honestly, it's to me, when I think about it, I'm like 10 years ago or maybe, maybe a little bit longer, but no one was talking about mindfulness. Right. And now it's like mindfulness is everywhere. And I really believe that the next big thing everyone's going to be talking about is going to be nervous system regulation. Even like the medical world is starting to really wrap their head around this and the impact that it has on um, chronic illnesses and autoimmune disorders and all of these different things. Um, So there are resources out there. I think my podcast is a great resource. It's really what we talk about, nervous system um, regulation. But I think aside from all of that, or let me say it this way, there's three steps to learning. There's three steps to change. So the first one is this awareness that we have a problem or an issue that needs to be changed. So I'm feeling always at a time crunch, like I need better time management systems. I'm aware of that. And then the second step is that we gather information, right? So we listen to this podcast or we read books or we hire a coach or whatever. All of us are really good at these things, especially if you're listening to this podcast now. It's like, you're, we're really good at this. We actually get a dopamine hit, right, when we, when we learn new information. But we have to do that third step, which is take action. We have to put this stuff into practice. So I think a great way, if you're listening and this is interesting to you, to take that next step is like, yes, the information is out there. You can find it. There are other podcasts and books and just Google it. Um, But that first step in the action side of it is growing your awareness to your somatic cues. What does that mean? Your body is always speaking to you. Our body is always communicating to us. And we just don't have the time or the energy or the attention to listen to it, right? You have a headache and you're like, I can't deal with this headache right now. I have to make lunch and I have an appointment at 10 and I have all these things, right? And your brain is like, slow down, stop. There's something going on here. I'm trying to communicate to you. Um, so paying attention, right? How does, how does my chest feel today? Does it feel really tight? And like, I have like a rock, you know, in my chest or do I feel light and open today? How's my stomach feel? Like, is there a pit in my stomach this morning as I start this day? And then really just kind of like, as we grow in that awareness and allow ourselves to, to move and do something about that, right? Um, that is the starting point to all of this regulation work. We have to notice what our body is telling us. It's so much easier to show up and like 
slay my day and actually do the things on my list when my body's on board. So just growing in that awareness and that connection is is the the foundation, I think, to all of this work. Amazing. Michelle, how can we continue to learn from you? Um, how can we keep in touch and just continue to dive into this topic with your support and guidance? Yeah. So my podcast is called The Calm Mom. Um, we do episodes three days a week. So there are a ton of resources on there for you, free stuff. Um, I also have a quiz. It's called the Personality Pattern Quiz, michellegrosser.com slash quiz. Um, and I think that is a powerful resource for women more than anything else. It's what I get feedback. Like, I feel like you just spent, you know, like you just peered into my my life and 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 see all of these ways in which I'm showing up and self-sabotaging or procrastinating or all of this stuff and really getting to the root of it. Um, so I think that's a great resource. And then I'm on Instagram at michellegrosser.coach. And we have a Facebook group called the Calm Mom Collective. I love it. I will be sure to link all of those resources in the show notes so that we can keep up with you. Michelle, it has been an absolute delight to talk with you today, to learn from you. I'm looking forward to implementing that 10-10-10 framework of stillness, movement, and play. And I'm going to keep cold plunging. I'm just yeah. going to keep diving right in. Um, thank you so much for your time, for your expertise, and for the way that you serve others. It's so needed. Um, and I'm really looking forward to staying in touch. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. All right. I'll talk with you soon. And there you have it. Whether you decide to incorporate 10 minutes of stillness, 10 minutes of movement, and 10 minutes of play, or you add a daily body shake to your calendar, or maybe you decide to take a cold shower, I encourage you to dig deeper, bring more awareness to how your body feels, and take action to keep your nervous system regulated so you can expand your window of tolerance and become more resilient. You can find links to the resources that Michelle mentioned, including links to her podcast, The Calm Mom, and her personality pattern quiz by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 192. And before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 193, is all about the art of flexibility. And I don't mean touching your toes. If there's one thing we've learned in the last few years, it's that curveballs are just a part of life. So we'll take a look at how we can be flexible and adapt our tried and true routines to keep up with the ever-changing rhythms of life. All right. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.